Welcome to Noah's Natter, your podcast for casual Christian conversation. We welcome you back to Noah's Natter. It's been a while since we've posted a podcast. Today we're going to begin a a multi-episode podcast uh, dealing with a term that we find in our Bible in the New Testament. Uh, In most English Bibles, we will find the word predestined or predestined. Uh, And we're going to take the word, the Greek word, which is proorizo, and we're going to look at the six times that it's used in the New Testament. And our postulate is going to be that it's never talking about the salvation of an individual, that it's always referring to a person who has already been saved, and that meaning God hasn't preordained lost people to be in hell and and some people to be in heaven who are saved. It's called determinism, and we're going to use these verses that many times are used to try to buffer and bolster that argument and just use the, the six passages that we find in the New Testament in their context to show that that's not the case with any of them. And so the first occurrence of this word occurs in the book of Acts chapter 4. And so my vocally talented friend here, Mr. Brant the Mike Allen, is going to give you a little background on the context here in Acts chapter 4, and then he's going to read the verses, uh, and in one of those verses you'll hear that word predestined. So I'm going to turn the mic over to him. Here's your $1,000 bill, and you go ahead, brother. All right. Thanks, brother. I'll try to make this as uh, vocally pleasing as possible. But uh, so we're in uh, we're in Acts chapter four, and uh, if you are familiar with the context of the passage, uh, Peter and John were arrested um, after uh, they had been uh, preaching, and uh, so they uh, it says in verse four of chapter four that many who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about five thousand. And so the rulers. Uh, they laid hands on uh, Peter and John, and they um, they arrested them, and uh, because they were uh, they were preaching the gospel, and uh, they put these uh, they put them on trial uh, for uh, healing some healings that had occurred, uh, especially the one we know one uh, the lame beggar. And uh, Peter, uh, Peter had already given a sermon uh, there, and then he's going to get up and give them another sermon. <laughs> and <laughs> he liked to preach. Tell them that, uh, that that Jesus is the stone that that they re- that the cornerstone that they rejected, and Jews would have uh, come to really understand what that meant um, by what it meant to uh, to re- reject the the chief cornerstone of the building, and then uh, the passage that we all use for uh, Jesus. Uh, being the only way to salvation is verse 12, and it says that there's no salvation in anyone else, no other name among heaven in which uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's uh, my my translate my paraphrased version of the King James version. Amen. You did well. <laughs> you did just fine. Uh, so uh, so moving along, they get um, they get to this. They uh, threaten them and say, "Stop preaching, 
or this time you're really going to go to jail and you're going to go to jail for a long, long time. Right. So stop preaching. Um, and uh, when they left, uh, they said this. They said, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you, <laughs> rather than God, you be the judge. But we aren't going to stop preaching. They weren't going to shut up, are they? No. Um, and they threatened them further. They finally let them go because they had no reason to punish them. Uh, and they all, uh, it says when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And this is where I'm going to start reading from. Uh, and you'll get um, verse 28 is where the word comes into context. And it says, when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that, all that is in them who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ or his Messiah. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose destined, predestined to occur. Uh, I'll finish the context. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the whole place was shaken. They had gathered together uh, and were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. What does the studio audience say? That's not a joke. Good job, Mr. <laughs> Good job, Mr. Allen. So uh, we we heard clearly the, the word predestined at the end of verse 28. So this probably, honestly, of the six occurrences of the Greek word proorizo is the easiest one that's going to be for us to uh, explain just from the contextual point of view and so this uh, podcast will be fairly brief because of that but that notwithstanding uh, we see that the two important verses are 27 28 and uh, so they talk about uh Kind of like in a prophetic way, you know, it's kind of the way I take it, Mm -hmm. that that God used certain entities, government officials, both Jew and uh, Roman, to accomplish the purpose that we understand was part of the plan of redemption. And that meant that it eventually got Jesus to the cross. Yes. All right. And we can go to the Gospels and we can find the details. We can find details on conversations on lies that were told about Jesus, on the little defense that he pit, that he put up, and really a, not much to speak of Mm-mm. because he was fulfilling prophecy even doing that. Right. Um, as Isaiah 53 says, as a, a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And so he said very little uh, before any of those rulers. Uh, but we can find out the details uh, that are written in the Gospels, and we find the, we might call that the fine print. What's being referred to here is looking at it from further away, kind of like the whole ball of wax, right? right. From, right. Uh, from the plan of the Pharisees to Judas to 
Herod and Pontius Pilate's um, part in it, you might say? They were set in motion. Set in motion, all this. Someone set it all in motion. And that was God. And that was God. Right. To accomplish what? The plan of redemption. Yes. And so this, what we believe, is in verse uh, 28, that that's what this predestined is talking about. By the way, when, when that word predestined is used, it never speaks of individuals being predestined right it's uh it's either a a thing or a group that's involved in in, in what's the object of the predestining i don't know if that's good Eng- good english i don't even know if that's right but so here we say that in jerusalem there's all these people gathered together and there's jesus whom god was the one who anointed and that's what made him the christ or as you said same word for messiah and then he brings in those enti- those entities of Herod and Pontius, along with all the people. You know, sometimes we uh, we hear, well, if it wasn't for people like Herod, it wasn't people like uh, Pilate, Jesus would have never know. gone to the cross. No, they did it with the full consent of the governed, you might say. Now, there might have been some pressure there from the religious leaders uh, upon the Jews to, to give in to it, but that's, even, that's neither here nor there. Because they were just as much part of the crowd, even being Pharisees and Sadducees, as in any of the other Gentiles and Jews that were in Jerusalem. Is what this very verse is saying is that all the other people, not just these two named individuals that he calls out here, everybody that was in Jerusalem, right, was right. was part of the plan. Exactly, everybody. Uh, and so everybody has culpability. <laughs> everybody. Everybody has blame. Yeah. So. And that's what Peter. Uh, that's what Peter's talking. If you'll go back through verse three, when he's, or not verse, but chapter three, Peter. Peter is giving his second sermon, and that's what he talks about. He said, "You disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you." <laughs> so, uh, what he's speaking of is the fact that when Jesus rode through Jerusalem on a on a colt donkey, <laughs> that they were laying palm branches at his feet. Praising him as the Messiah, as the Anointed One, and yet three days later or a week later, they're they're telling <laughs> it's okay, crucify him, give us Barabbas. So let me ask you a question, and and I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it for <laughs> ask a sake. So you're telling me, uh, here comes Jesus, as prophesied by Zechariah nine nine, like you just said, yeah. he comes riding in, planned, and it was working fine, and. There was millions of people, a million and a half, two million, however many, and Jerusalem was packed. I've never believed that every single person in the city was along that path. No. But there just wouldn't have been room for it. Uh, but a lot of people were, all right? For sure. So do you do you believe that there were actually people in that crowd along that street that were also in that crowd when that choice was made and said both of those things? I absolutely do too. I absolutely do. I do because of the context you read and other other places too where it's right. mentioned. I think I think this was one of the big hang ups. I think this mm-hmm. was a one reason why God would want the people to understand their culpability. Right. You just acted like you're accepting him as the anointed Messiah. Right. But because he didn't come militantly like you thought he did, 
it didn't take you long to turn tail, turn face. You went from, you know, in wrestling, you have the baby faces and the heels. You know, when it came in Jerusalem, they were all baby faces. Ah, you know, uh, Hosanna, save us now, God, son of David and all that. That's right. Now, like I said, three days later, whatever the time frame was, they're like, we want you dead. We, we'd rather have a known thief and murderer and whatever insurrectionist. To, That's what I was going to gonna be, say. To be free. Somebody Is, to revolt, basically. <laughs> exactly. So are we any different now than right. the way Exactly, they are? exactly. Yeah. That's the ex, <laughs> nail on the head. And so uh, God didn't let him. My point is God didn't let him get away with it. Right. You know, whether right. it was most of the people or all the people or some of them, that there was some from that crowd who saw this same guy. Mm-hmm. That, I, I say same guy, but saw Jesus. Right. And were two-faced with him. Right. Well, and he says it. He says it in the rest of the rest of the sermon that they they acted in ignorance. And why? Because all the things that the prophet spoke of earlier would be fulfilled. Right, right. Which, again, is a setting apart beforehand, thought, setting something beforehand. I think of this verse, For if they had knew all this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's right. But they did. And if you – I forgot the exact address of that verse, but when you look at that verse in the Greek, it's in perfect tenses. Mm-hmm. It says, so if they had – if they had known this, and you translate that, and they did not know it, right? Then they would have cruci- Then they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of Glory, but, but they, they did. did. Right? It's very powerful. Very. And so God, He didn't let anybody off the hook. No. God, you know whether they did it in ignorance. Some of them did something, but some of them did it willfully. Some it was willful ignorance. Willful disobedience. Man, yeah, and that's no different than what Adam did in the garden, right? Exactly. And so God lays the smackdown through his prophets or through his preachers of the apostles preaching. And Peter's not the only one that does it. Stephen does it, and they stone him. Right. You know? And yeah. so speaking to God, the says that God put all these people together and then goes right into verse 28. To do, why did God put all these people together? To do whatever and your purpose predestined to occur. So Jesus, uh, this is validated by revelation that Jesus stood as a lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. It was God's plan. I've always heard preachers talk about the plan of redemption, you know, uh, that God thought of it before time began. And I believe that. Uh, but I believe something else about the plan of redemption. I'm going to use two O's here because you know this is the way my mind thinks. The plan of redemption is an old plan. Mm-hmm. It predates let there be light. Right. Number two, it's the only plan. There's right. not another. This is why when you quoted 412, that backs that up. Right, exactly. Uh, there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. But it was God's plan, and he worked it. To attain just the way he wanted to. to perfection. So, because he wanted to ensure somebody said, Well, why? You say, You don't believe that God predestines particular individuals to be saved beforehand. Why would God be so predestined and, and have a predilection to do the whole plan of salvation? For the very fact that it affects everybody. Right. That it was for everybody. It was. And he will make sure that there was no dot left off an eye or a cross on a T with the plan. You agree with that? For all people, for all time. Agreed. That's what the that's what the plan of redemption was was for. Right. Now some some people have rejected the plan. 
Sure. And really most of the Jews at the time that we just read about and that you've referenced, and even today, sadly, mm-hmm. have rejected Christ right. as that Messiah. And uh, but I want to throw this in there to be fair to we Christians, and I don't mean that in a very positive spin either, right. is a lot of times we who have been saved and are on our way to heaven, our lives don't back up the fact that we've accepted Christ. Sure. It almost looks at times like we got fire insurance or that we were quote-unquote saved, mm-hmm. and then we continue to live the way we want to. Right. Now, two possibilities exist there, and you know what those are. Number one, you were never truly saved. And number two, you just weren't discipled and you're walking in your flesh. I think the Bible calls that being uh, carnal, First Corinthians chapter 3. Three. Uh, where where you don't grow in the Lord, and right. that produces that kind of life, right. a fleshly life. Yeah, and so to an unsaved to a, to a saved man who looks at that, they don't look saved. Don't look no different. And to an unsaved man who sees that, looks like him, and looks exactly like him. So you're doing that out of disobedience, Adam. It's exactly what Adam did. Jews at the time of Jesus, right? Uh, Crucifixion, we've already talked about. Yeah. Willful disobedience. Right. Same thing today. That's not a good crowd to be in. No. No. <laughs> well, and it, it, I think it speaks back again to even into Romans where it talks about uh, Romans 1, you know, all the worlds without excuse. So really, all, if you think about it in that context, the whole world, the whole creation that God created, we're all... We're all under willful disobedience because we don't recognize Him as the Creator. Him as the Creator, Him as Savior, Him as Lord. And so we're all, like you said, we're all without excuse and we're all guilty of it at some point in our lives. So there you go, using that word all again. I did. I used all. That's, yeah. that's proper use of the word all, yeah. by the way. Well, that's why Jesus came for all. All? All. Not just as many as would be called, but all. Oh, <laughs> right. He came for all. Yeah. So I think it's clear from this this uh, this passage that this predestination is talking about the plan of salvation. Agreed. And uh, so we can knock that off. So if you're listening to us in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the there's a two back-to-back occurrences of this one's in the book of ephesians the other is in romans and that's where we're going to be next time romans chapter 8 verse 29 and 30 but i would encourage you to read the whole chapter of the book of romans it begins with uh not being under condemnation being justified then ends with not being separated from the love of god which is in christ jesus and uh anyway but Read 8.29 and 8.30. Also, the famous 8.28 is right above that. But read that. Yeah, well, I was going to say, and if you haven't listened to our podcast, we did uh, we did read through Romans 8. We did. That's been, So if you want to listen to a little bit of a discourse on that. Yeah, go find under episode. Give you some good homework. Yeah, that's, I didn't think about that. Thanks for bringing that up. You have to go back and look at past uh, podcasts under the description You'll see the actual Romans chapter 8 and whatever verses we were covering. Mm-hmm. And you can see how we dealt with in those former podcasts or other podcasts. It seemed like it's been an eternity since we 
we did those. Yeah, it is. It's, so, it's been a while. I guess we were predestined to do that, you know, before we did this one, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody determined that. Somebody determined I don't know it. who it was. Yeah. But um, we'll be joining you on the next episode then, Romans 8, 29, and 30, as we continue to talk about predestination. Thank you for joining us today on uh, Noah's Natter. We're always your place for casual Christian conversation. See you later, everybody.